One week, cue the Bare Naked Ladies song. One week, folks, training camp a week from today. And we are recording late on a Tuesday morning. Kevin Bowen, Ross Lovers, he is our Rigoberto Sanchez. He is our Adam Benateri when healthy, uh, old faithful, old reliable. He's back. And uh, we've got training camp less than a week away, I guess. Report day will be early Tuesday morning. First practice Wednesday morning up at Grand Park. As always, we'll be up there every single day with your coverage. 19 practices. You ever been to Grand Park? I've not. never been to the training camp ever. But I've really? never been to Grand Park either. I'd love to go this year. Isn't there a Thirsty Thursday? There is, yeah, when the Panthers are in town. So, yeah, yeah hope, hope Matt Rule is ready for the rowdy Westfield bunch that can be out there uh, 4 to 6 p.m. on that Thursday. Pretty much everything else, morning practices. I love training camp. You know, our listeners have heard it. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Colts going away. They're actually one of five teams that go away for camp. So it's a very small number that's really dwindled a whole lot in recent years. So uh, this is my favorite time of the year just because as much as I love the draft, this is real. It's mm-hmm. it, it's about, you know, it, it's about to get really real. So I'm looking forward to that. Today's pod, we're going to go over the Colts that have the most pressure on them in 2021. You're going to see a variety of names on this list. It's not going to be maybe as you know cut and dry as you think. And uh, there's different types of pressure. There's individual pressure, there's team pressure, there's financial pressure, all of those things. So we'll get into that. Still going through our Twitter question list. And uh, we've got a good amount, I think a few more than maybe Ross and I got to on uh, the pod two weeks ago. Uh, Some of you have asked, you know, how frequently will we do the pod during training camp? I'd like to think once every five days, you know, I don't know if it'll be exactly twice a week. You know, we'll try to kind of time it up with off days and whatnot. Um, Chris and I will um, bring you those. Uh, and obviously when news calls, you know, as we're recording this, you know, we've just gotten news that Cam Akers tore his Achilles for the Rams. I mean, that's huge, huge news. So, you know, things like that, obviously we'll, uh, you know, potentially have some emergency pods. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I cannot wait. It's go time. It is go time. It's go time. What are we, like 52 days away from Ooh, the kickoff? Look at that. Yeah, September, what is it, 12th? Yeah. Something like that. Seahawks in town. And obviously the Rams. Colts by the Rams yeah. week two, so that can't make news. Pretty big there. So, uh, yeah, three preseason games. I think the first one's the 15th. For those of you that maybe missed it, that game will be on NFL Network. Um, Carolina against Indianapolis. So I know for our out-of-town audience, that 1 o'clock first preseason game at Lucas Oil will be available nationally. So, um, And then I think it's just every six days after that. So let's awesome. get into it, man. You want to jump in? Yeah. All right. As you mentioned, we're going to talk about pressure today and different varieties of pressure. But I think everyone knows this man maybe holds the most pressure on his shoulders coming into the uh, 2021 season. It's QB1, Mr. Wentz. What's the quote about pressure, Ross? Pressure. The pressure's a privilege. Oh, well, that. that That's my quote. Yeah, that <laughs> that is a great quote. I love that. Um, I believe it's pressure either bursts pipes or makes diamonds. Ooh, I've never heard that. Yeah, I think Darius Leonard dropped that on us on a Zoom call, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, there's a reason why I'm just a lowly media person and you're in the NFL. So. Wow. Uh, Yeah, pick one of those two. I like pressure is a privilege, and uh, I don't care if it's a Colts list roster or an NFL list. Carson Wentz is on it. Um, You know, when you are the former number two overall pick, when you've played at an MVP level, when you've signed the huge contract with the team that drafted you, and then 19 months later, you're no longer playing for that team, there is pressure. And obviously the inevitability that comes with this position um, is there as well. You know, the Colts realize that, and their job is to lessen that that pressure. Um, you know, personnel wise, coaching wise, they have the horses to do it. It's just can you put all of that together? Um, but inevitably, there's just individual pressure on Carson Wentz, and like the reality is this: I believe he's going to play at a pretty good level this season. But if he doesn't, and looks like 2020 Carson Wentz. Like, this dude might not have another starting job again in the NFL. Like, that's just the reality of where you're at. So He's playing that, for his career. He really is. Um, you know, sure, he could find other backup spots, and, you know, there would probably be a team that would that would take another you know, flyer on him. But still, this is – you don't really get third opportunities as a quarterback to start for sure in this league, let alone the opportunity that I think is as good as this one with Frank Reich, with this run game, this offensive line, et cetera. So – it is a no-brainer for me 
And uh, like you said, QB1, number two, Carson Wentz on this list. Yep. Next, we have two players grouped together in the same pressure category, you could say. Um, Paris Campbell and Kamoko Turi. A lot of expectations on those two. Yeah, and you know, Ross, this falls into our kind of injury category. I feel like every year when we do this list, there is kind of that injured name or two. These two just have to be grouped together almost in my mind. I know they aren't the same draft class. They're separated by a year, but... um, I think a big reason why I have them this high, Ross, is because I I genuinely think they mean a ton to this football team. They are unique players uh, within their position groups, within their units, and when you think about guys that I watch in January and into February, like these are some of the guys that I see on other teams. It's just there's a reason why both of them were second round picks. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring a speed element that I think is just so critical in today's NFL, and certainly missing ingredients on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Ture, it's contract year. We kind of forget about that. You're like, oh my gosh, this dude has reached the end of his rookie deal? But yeah, he, I mean, he, he has. Um, and you know, he's played in 25 NFL games, I think it is, and he's missed oh, wow. 23 NFL games. You know, I mean, that's... But then you look at it, and you're like, he's had one sack since that unbelievable game on Sunday Night Football when... He was so, so massive in beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then, obviously, Campbell, it's been well-documented. It's year three of four on the rookie deal. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that has, I want to say it's like three catches in the last, like, 28, 30 games, something like that. How the many Colts games has he played? I want to say it's nine. I think it was seven as a rookie and two last year. And, obviously, got hurt really, really early uh, in last season. So, um, just – massive, massive years individually and team-wise. I mean, for their own good, certainly, uh, but also for this Colts team because when you look at it, they didn't make any other moves at wideout. D-end, yes, they drafted two guys, but the expectation is Turry's going to take a jump, to be frank. You didn't really do anything in free agency at that position. Um, so these two, to me, to me, it, it was pretty crystal clear, Ross, who was one and two on this list. Again, I grouped them together. Three is probably obvious to some people. It might not be. Uh, but this is where I think there's a drop-off after the first two. Yep. Kind of sticking with the injury expectation, though. This has – or the injury pressure. Uh, the next person on this list, Eric Fisher, has a, other other pressure in the sense that you know he's coming off the injury and we just need him to stay healthy. It, exactly. And I think when you – that last statement you made, Ross, we need him to stay healthy, that comes with the position he plays. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Anthony Costanzo was so, so durable, so reliable. Um, you know, anytime a former number one overall pick has Pro Bowls on his resume and the team just cut him, like, there's pressure on Fisher to kind of prove that, like, man, you know, yeah. F them. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think I've maybe said that word before, but I'm yeah. just going to sit that one out. Yeah. Um, you know, Wow. Okay, Kansas City, you see what happened in the Super Bowl? <laughs> like, you're going to cut the guy that didn't play in the Super Bowl? So, um, I think there's a little bit of that just kind of chip on his shoulder as well. And while the Colts have improved their left tackle depth, I mean, you haven't improved it enough to where you can sit here and sleep well at night. And really, you know, who does in the NFL have that? So um, there is pressure on Eric Fisher um, and this team, I think, to have him play at an Anthony Costanza-like level. And that's high praise, but Chris Ballard said it. Like, there were other options at left tackle. This summer, uh, this spring, I should say, but they wanted a swing and they wanted to take a Super Bowl swing. They don't. They haven't taken Super Bowl swings in a ton of moves, um, especially free agency wise. The Eric Fisher swing, make no bones about it, it is a Super Bowl swing. It is a okay if this dude can give us good health. This O line is elite. Jonathan Taylor should be elite. The run game should be at a high level, and Carson Wentz should be playing behind a unit he hasn't played behind in quite some time. So. Uh, just kind of different layers to the whole Eric Fisher falling on number three on this list. Next, uh, the fourth person on this list might be some, a surprise to some of our listeners, but Ben Banigou, uh pressured to make the team. Is that right? Yeah, straight up. Um, and look, this is going to sound harsh, Ross, but like if Ben Banigou were to go tear his Achilles tomorrow, that would have zero bearing on how I look at this Colts 2021 oh, yeah. season. Like, and, and again, you know, that, that's harsh. That's a little bit of reality, though. So uh, let me kind of explain where the pressure is. This is pressure on a former second-round pick who is 
into year three, and it's no guarantee he makes the team. So this is, again, very individualistic. Mm -hmm. This is not team-wise. This is not... Um, I mean, sure, if Banigou shows you a, a huge jump, he could help out the team. But I, I don't think anyone's banking on that. I mean, he exited the spring. I mean, he wasn't one of the, the top four, maybe five defensive ends leaving the spring. And you, you probably keep four, maybe five. Uh, and that didn't even include Komoko Turi, who didn't participate in the spring. So internally, the Colts feel like it's a jolt of confidence. That's, that's all he needs. We'll see. You know, a lot of training with DeForest Buckner in the offseason at, at various parts around the country. You know, does that help him out? Um, I've just never seen the athletic traits pop like you see with Ture even or, or, or some other guys. So, um, again, uh, oh, Banigou, that's the difference between eight wins and 11. Like, I, I, I'm not going there. Yeah. But just there's pressure on a guy at a critical position who's a former second-round pick who you – believed in a different, you know, oh, he could maybe play linebacker. Now he's back at D-end, and that's where the pressure falls for me because I get the question every every late July, early August, who's going to be a surprise cut? Who yeah. Who's a big name to get cut? This is the guy. Like, the, to me, it is a true coin flip if he makes this team right now. The uh, defensive end position group is going to be so fun to watch during training camp because there's so much different areas of pressure within that group, so many just – pure athletes battling to make that team and it's just going to be a it's going to be a fist fight it really is and a lot of different body types too um I, i'm not sure if i said this on last week's podcast i mentioned it on monday when i went on the morning show ross you got to force buckner and whatever his 30 something career sacks he has second on the list of career sacks for the colts right now nine and a half for kamoko turi again career sacks wow not single season so this is what I keep on getting back to that I've really stressed since March, folks, is, yes, Carson Wentz, that elephant is, of course, in the room. That's mm-hmm. obvious. But proven pass rush is not there on this football team, particularly out on the edge. Obviously, yeah. Buckner brings it from the interior. So that's where I get to of you know, guys like Banigou and Quiddy Pay and you know, Taekwon Lewis on early downs. and When does the Dangbo get healthy? And all of those questions um, – it revolves around, you know, the element that we saw that was a difference in the Super Bowl of what a, a formidable, potent rush can do for you. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. Um, all right, rounding off our list here is the defensive captain, guy in the middle, Darius Leonard. Yeah, and you know, you were um, you were asking me before we started the pod, you know, you, you mentioned Leonard on this list from a contractual standpoint, and, and that wasn't my initial reason for putting him on the list, but the more that I, I think about it now that you said that, I guess it is kind of part of that. Like, why I put him on the, this list, I guess I'll start there, is because Anthony Walker's gone. Mm-hmm. He and Leonard has been very vocal in saying, I need to take on some more accountability within our linebacker room. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, you know, Ross Lubbers, that's, you know, whatever, a six-round pick out of Indiana. He comes in, uh, nothing against your talent. <laughs> you know, the Colts have been very prone to take day three linebackers, so that was the only reason why why I said that. I know you're a thumper. You like to get up there, horse collar, Brian Cox-type collar. Um, Leonard's basically saying, you know, guys that need help with the playbook or guys that might be loafing or those things, like that usually was on Anthony Walker to kind of chirp. I've got to be the chirper now. And still, obviously, bring that crazy energy that he brings. Um, you know, I've thought about it. Justin Houston's gone. Justin Houston used to do the kind of pregame huddle. Yeah walking off the field is that Leonard you know like just like little stuff like that that's where I feel like the pressure is on him of just okay a little bit more of not just being the maniac on the field mm-hmm. um, you've got to carry a little bit more of that and I think some of that comes with the second contract I mean the Colts are going to pay him probably the most money of any linebacker in the league and if I'm Chris Ballard I'm saying to, to Darius hey man you overachieved on your first rookie deal we, we all know that but look at how much money I'm paying you. Yeah. Do you know what that, that means? Like, do you know what comes with that? And I, I think Leonard can handle it. Mm-hmm. But I just think there is some some pressure. Um, he's the pressure to set the market for top-tier linebackers right. moving forward. And he's going to get paid. That wasn't the no. reason I brought that up. He's definitely going to get paid. But if he has just another breakout year and takes his game to the next level, all-pro level again, and has that repeatable success – He's going to set the market for future linebackers to come, which is... One thing I want to see from Leonard is just do the dirty work. And the dirty work, again, is the -the off-the-field conversations he's got to have. But also, I want to see him a little bit more dirty in the run game. I think that's where Anthony Walker did help you 
Um, it, it wasn't afraid to just, you know, can Leonard find that balance between disengaging, avoiding blockers, making tackles, but then still realizing, hey, at times I just kind of got to man up and absorb this block and hope that, you know, Kari Willis is in the box and, and, yeah. and kind of fill out. Um, last thing to note on Leonard, and I know full well that, you know, calling out Darius Leonard is the last thing to do because he will <laughs> certainly, you know, whatever, he'll give us a one star in this podcast if he cares. But I do think we should note that Leonard Hall of Fame pace through his first three seasons, without a doubt. First year in the NFL, unbelievable ball production. Second year in the NFL, unbelievable ball production. Last year in the NFL, three sacks, zero interceptions, three forced fumbles. Three forced fumbles, notable. Yeah. Zero picks, three sacks, good numbers for 85% of linebackers around the league, but not for Darius Leonard. So what I'm getting at is just, you're about to pay him gargantuan money. Yeah. You need the three sacks and zero interceptions to become whatever, five and two, yeah. six and three, something like that to where this is still the guy that's finding the ball on a routine basis. So, um, you know, there are other names that I thought about here. Like there's pressure on like a Xavier Rhodes, just frankly, to um, you don't have a whole lot of depth at at corner, you know, something like that. Kenny Moore obviously has some pressure on him. You know, there's some depth chart related guys to Forrest Buckner has pressure just because there's nobody really behind him that can do it like him. Um, but to me, it, it wasn't too difficult of a list to uh, to formulate, Ross. I, I felt like these were the guys I tried to, you know, involve an injury, involve a big name that's trying to make the roster, um, a little bit of everything here. So, you know, I, you know who I did? Who? Frank Reich. Okay. Tell me more. I, I, he, we've gotten Twitter questions. You've gotten Twitter questions over the course of almost every offseason. Is the seat getting warm? Is yeah. Is the seat getting warm? Mm-hmm. How, much, how much leeway are we going to give Ballard and Reich? And I think with Reich's influence on Wentz and him coming to Indy, um, that pressure obviously lives on Wentz. But if we flop this year – and we don't make the playoffs and go eight and nine or seven and ten or whatever uh, the records would be with this new season, then Reich's going to be getting getting a lot of a lot of angry fans and a lot of uh, uh, eyebrows raised. So two things: first, great work on knowing the record like that. Seventeen <laughs> games, you're on your game. This is early on a Tuesday morning. We won't say if you've cracked a beer or not, but you are on your game. <laughs> Secondly. Uh, you are a loyal listener to this podcast, unlike anyone else in the family. So you are my favorite lovers. <laughs> but uh, I have made the car seat warmer analogy. Do you like that analogy? I or do. Not? Yeah, okay. especially with the modern cars, where it's yeah. it gets a little bit okay. warmer, warmer, and warmer. Okay, so, yeah. I, I didn't know if that was just a horrific dad analogy, no. or if, or great. if you appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Um, wow, I was thinking players. I, I yeah. right didn't even cross my mind. Uh, spot on. Uh, absolutely spot on. And again, throw throw Chris Ballard on that list. Yeah. Obviously, once once you get in the season, you know it's much more head coach centric. But um, like we've talked about, I thought, you know, I, I stand by Frank's aggression at the end of the first half against Buffalo. I don't stand by him throwing the challenge flag early in the third quarter when there was no reason to throw that challenge flag. And then the final drive of the game, and you look like, you know, God bless him, but St. Simon's yeah. third grade CIO team trying to run a two minute drill there late. It just, it, and you don't have an extra timeout. So. Um, Yes, they, they, I will group them together, deserve to be on this list. Um, again, it's not scorching hot, um, but it's warm, and it, and it should be warm, yep. and the time is now. So yep. um, I'm glad you mentioned that. All righty. Want to uh, get into Twitter questions? Yes, sir. Let's do them. Again, long list this week. We still got a good amount to get to next week. Chris and I will dive into, but let's uh, hop right into it, man. And some fun ones, too. Good. Um, all right, so I don't know if the listeners saw this, but the Colts put out a, uh, a, a graphic the other day on their Twitter and Instagram of if you have $15, pick your team. And right. It's the $5, $4, $3, $2, $1, a row of players in each position group, QB, running back, O-line, wide receiver, and tight end. So we have $15. Yeah. Choose your roster. Okay, and Gus sent this in. Oh, yeah, so, Gus. So, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you to Gus for uh, sending this in. And I know it's kind of difficult for those of you that might not be looking at it. Just rattle off the $5 for him, Ross. So QB is uh, Peyton. He's $5. The sheriff. The running back is Edge. O-line is Quentin. Wide receiver Marvin Harrison. And the tight end is John Mackey. 
John Mackey, yeah. When you're named that, when the college tight end award is named the John Mackey Award, you know you're good at football. Um, okay, so my list is this, Ross. I went with Peyton for five. Jonathan Taylor at a dollar. Just goes to show you the Colts have had unbelievable running backs, and I'm just stealing money. I feel like there. I went back up and took Tart Glenn with uh, how much was he? Two bucks. Two dollars. Okay. Uh, I got Marvin then for five. I, if I'm if I'm going Peyton, I got to go Marv. And then I'm going Marcus Pollard, I think is how I rounded out my, my $15 there. So a Peyton, Jonathan Taylor, Tarek Glenn, Marvin Harrison, Marcus Pollard, $15. Uh, anyone else jump out of you? Well, I was doing my, my list uh, this morning, and I had Peyton, Jonathan Taylor, Tarek Glenn. So that's funny we had those three. I think I went Reg, Reggie okay, yeah. at four, and then Dallas Clark or Jack Doyle. I don't know. I think Dallas Clark might put it over because he's four. Okay. So, so we went with Doyle. Doyle. Yeah, I know. I, I um, you know, you you're probably a bit young, I guess. For the, I mean, do, do you remember Pollard? No, nah, I mean, I not like I remember Dallas Clark. Right, right, right. I mean, Pollard was really good in those kind of early Peyton years in there. But I mean, man, it's just like this is such a great offensive franchise yeah. to have this for. Uh, obviously, I saw a lot of people, you know, luck for $3. I mean, hell, that's pretty darn good right there. And the running backs are, I mean, Tariq Glenn. I mean, there's debate about him in the Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. You're getting him for 2 bucks there out of tackle. So, And the wideouts. I mean, Raymond Berry is a, arguably the greatest wideout of his generation. He's there for $2. So, yeah, that was that, that was fun. I, I appreciate the Colts doing that. I know they're like, there's probably some people like, you're offending, you know. Jack Doyle for only putting him at three dollars or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I think Jack, yeah. you know, is pretty content. Yeah, good question though, Gus. Yeah, thank you, Gus. All right, Jason asks, who will lead the Colts in yards after catch? Several good candidates. Yeah, there are. I'll go with Michael Pittman. Um, you know, I think Paris Campbell and Naeem Hines would be the other options. A lot of people, uh, but dude, just no one wants to tackle Michael Pittman. You know, <laughs> he's lengthy. He's hard to tackle. Well, well, lengthy and like he runs like the son of an NFL running back. Like there's. Michael Pittman's a good-looking dude, and, like, there might be some USC pretty boy look to him. There's no USC pretty boy when he straps on that helmet. I mean, he plays to 6'4", 220. I mean, how many – think back to, like, all your fifth-grade basketball teams when – hell, look at the Chinese girl that's 7'4 right now. <laughs> she plays to 7'4". Yeah. You know, how many times in sixth grade did you have the six-footer and you're like, dude, you can't throw him the ball. Like, he, he can't catch. He's not tough enough. Michael Pittman plays to his size. So, uh, I want to I see him get targets. Uh, yes, he's got to make contested catches, but I think we saw it last year. Rub routes, screens, those things. Mm-hmm. I think Pittman will give you the yards after catch. I agree. Okay, Sam has a crazy one here. Sam asks, I actually had a person tell me that any Ohio State player that the Colts have ever gotten uh, fails. They backed this up with the list of Ohio State players who have failed in the past. I asked him if he means... Uh, if we had, you know, the Youngs, the Bosas, the Zeeks, if they'd fail in a Colts uniform. <laughs> they agreed. Um, is the, in, in Sam's question, is this too ludicrous of a topic to talk on the podcast? Well, no, <laughs> nothing is too ludicrous, Sam. So we will uh, hit on it. Yes, the Colts have really struggled in the Ohio State Department. Um, uh, a Chase Young, a Joey Bosa, a Nick Bosa, and Ezekiel Elliott, I would think, would have success yeah. here yeah. here in Indianapolis. I think it's a uh, – it would always – you know, the, the, the knock on Justin Fields coming out. You know, Urban Meyer quarterbacks haven't succeeded or whatever. I would say quarterbacks haven't succeeded. I, I, I am just a very firm believer, and you have to evaluate each individual player. You know, there was a run there on, oh, Alabama running backs. Well, look, Derrick Henry's kind of worked out. I, I get Trent Richardson and whatever. Maybe Mark Ingram didn't work out as a first-round pick, you know, yeah. things like that. Like, um, th- I just think you, you can't get too program-heavy. Are you attracted to programs? Do you like certain traits in programs? Yes, but, like, the Ohio State run is pretty freakish. Yeah. Like, Quinn Pitcock, and they drafted back in the Polian days, he got addicted to video games. <laughs> literally. Literally. And Ross is laughing. The, 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 this is where we're at. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Malik Hooker, just, yeah. you know, freak injuries. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Paris Ty- Campbell. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, Tyquan Lewis, Paris Campbell. I know there's some other Ohio State guys that I'm missing there. Uh, is Mike Dawson Ohio State guy? I think yes. he was. Yes, he yeah, was. I mean, a decent little run here. Um, so, yeah, Sam, um, your friend is – that is a ludicrous statement yeah. to think that the Youngs and the Boses and Zeke Elliott would not 
<laughs> do well here. That's that's a conversation you have in July. For sure. Yeah, that is. All right. The powers that be asks, where does Wentz have to rank, in your opinion, for this team to win a playoff game? Does he need to be a top five QB in the league, top ten? What's your opinion? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, I think hovering right around ten. I, I don't have grand expectations to to win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Now to win playoff games. To do them away from home, that's where we get into, I think, a little bit of a different discussion. But I think you can win a playoff game with Carson Wentz giving you 9 or 10 sure. type level. Um, again, I think it's critical just the whole home field aspect you know, to it all. Um, you know, w- w- when Jason asked that question about yards after catch earlier, that is kind of like a missing ingredient this team hasn't had a whole lot of lately. So the fact that they have multiple guys we could have said for that answer – Makes me think like stuff like that should help Wentz to mm-hmm. where it's like don't need to throw this you know thirty yard vertical on a frozen rope and hope that you know oh that's gonna work out or whatever. Um, so again, I think eight nine. But to your question, powers that be, January is just an unknown. Yeah, the dudes played what ten snaps in the playoffs. Like that that is just the that is an elephant in the room that we should get to at some point mm-hmm. this year. Of okay. Um, you've made the playoffs. Now what do you look like yeah. in the postseason? Mitch, uh, moving forward, Mitch asks, I've heard folks say that Big Q will, quote, make up for Tevi. How do you respond to that? Personally, Mitch does not believe. Yeah, Mitch, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, I get it. Quentin Nelson at left guard is better than, you know, Mike McGlynn at left guard. But, like, I mean, did Raven Clark have grand success because Quentin Nelson was at left guard? Like, yeah. You know, it's not – at left tackle, your help comes from the outside. I don't know. Maybe Tevi sets more on the outside, and now Quentin gives him help on the interior. But I don't think if Aaron Donald is on that side in week two, I don't know if you're doing a whole lot of help. So, um, you know, it, again, it, it's better than the alternative, Mitch, like other guards in there. But I don't think, like, he's going to help just majorly, majorly. Because to me, it, it still comes down to a numbers game. Mm-hmm. It's – you are taking away a body, even you, you're taking away a body from the passing tree, even if Sam Tevy's performing decent. It's a chip from Doyle. It's a chip from Allie Cox, Hines chipping, Taylor, wh- whoever. Um, even if it's not a chip, it might be one of those things where Frank says, hey, you know, give it three seconds in the backfield, and if you feel like he's good, then go out on your route. You know, something like that. It's still not giving your quarterback the full assortment of skill guys, so that's where I'm at with uh, with Tevi. I agree there. Uh, John also uh, alludes to, to Tevi and his question here, but he asks conspiracy theory for you. Go oh boy. Uh, Ballard is finding replacement level players to play around Nelson. If the Colts really do like Pinter at center for the long haul and Tevi is passable at left tackle, tackle, Kelly could be available for a pick between 20 and 40, and Fisher could fetch us a third-round pick. I like our offensive line, but Nelson and Smith are about to make forty million a year between the two of them, and that doesn't leave room for us to pay thirty plus million to the rest of the line. What are your thoughts? You know, John, uh, conspiracy theory. Whenever I hear that, I kind of I get a little scared. But this is a, I mean, this is a, a well thought out question, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. I, I think there's some merit to this. Uh, in, in full honesty here. Uh, now, the whole Fisher fetches a third round pick. I mean, I know like. I think technically he might still be under team control next year. It's kind of a up in the air situation. I, I don't know about that. Like sign and trade, you don't usually see in the NFL. The whole Danny Pinter thing, that is kind of a mystery to me in the Ryan Kelly debate. Like Ryan Kelly signed for four more years. That's a long time in the NFL. And you hear the Colts talk about Pinter, and they feel like he can be a starting center in this league. They say that more than guard. So I'm kind of like, oh boy, like, you know, at some point would you just say, hey, Ryan Kelly, see ya, and we're going to bet on Danny Pinter, you know, like teams do reach points financially, you know, cap book wise that they have to make those tough, tough decisions. I don't think they would do that, mm-hmm. but that's where part of John's question I, I do at least, you know, think about um, having said all that, I think Chris Bowers really committed to paying. You have invested such premium resources into this group. He is a huge believer. He is even a bigger believer in trench play now that there's a 17th game on the schedule. 
So why would he deviate from that all of a sudden? He's it's like his is uh, I would say like his baby yes. on the Colts team right now. Right. This offensive line, and he's never gonna. This is a really well thought out question because it is a numbers game, but he's never gonna break that that core. I I just can't see it. I I cannot see it. Um, to your point, John, it just and you know we we had a conversation with with Mike Bloom, their cap guy. Uh, you know, I don't know about a few months ago now, and I asked Bloom this very question. I'm just like, all right, in simplest terms. What is the biggest challenge for you moving forward now with this cap situation? He pretty much is like, we need Chris to keep on drafting well. And like when someone in the organization says that, it pretty much just means he better bleep and draft well. <laughs> like, I mean, that, like I can say that for him. Uh, and Chris knows that. Like when you start to pay these guys the second contracts, you have to have your rookies perform at a high level um, and perform at an acceptable level during those four-year and five-year rookie deals. So, yeah, John, I, I I listen to you. You make some sense with it, but I just can't see Chris Bauer going down that road. Agreed. Tantastic is the Twitter handle. Tantastic asks, um, or he's he or she is looking forward to the 2022 season. Oh, gosh. And they're asking, what do you think our receiver core will look like, assuming this is T.Y.'s last season? Okay, well, um <laughs> You need Paris Campbell to stay healthy. <laughs> Let's start there. You know, Pittman and Campbell still on the rookie deals. Pittman would be going into year three. Campbell would be going into the final year of his rookie deal. I believe Zach Pascal is an unrestricted free agent, so uh, that would have to – I would assume you retain him. But uh, if you say T.Y. is gone, I mean, you got to go make a move, you know, some other move. I don't – it's not like the most pressing thing in the world, but you definitely need to make – Something, I, I would say, kind of veteran free agent route. It's kind of a route that I thought they should have taken back in March. Um, because in the draft, this is where you get into a little bit, okay, do you not have your first rounder? What about left tackle? What about corner? Like, I think there are some other spots that are a little bit more pressing there. Um, so, yeah, I would say Pittman, Campbell, Pascal, assuming he's re-signed. And then, obviously, you, you, you've got the other guys, you know, Patman and, and, and Strawn and, you know, some of these younger guys. Uh, on your roster, but I would think a veteran free agent would yeah. be needed. If Pittman has a breakout year, or Campbell for that matter, um, then I, I like the core group that's there, but it, what would be interesting is if this team makes a run and maybe wins a playoff game or two, but you just recognize there's a missing piece, I think that's a great opportunity to go get a big name. Yeah, big and again, I know that the Colts, long before Chris Bowden's arrival, have swung and missed yeah. in free agency at that position, but similar to our our. Ohio State question. Just because you swung and missed doesn't mean you stop. Like, like, okay, do you sit in a room and you say, hey, what are we doing wrong here? Like, is there something we're not looking into with the Ohio State? Uh, yes, you certainly do that. But that's 85 scholarship players there. 85 guys that come from far different backgrounds and are wired very, very differently. And that is one of the best football programs in the nation. You'd be foolish not to look into it, just like you'd be foolish to as I said before the draft, swing again at defensive end. And they swung. Mm-hmm. Do it again at wideout. Um, I, I think is certainly a must if, T, if this is the last year for T.Y. Sure. Patrick asks, um, if you had one player to pick on each side of the ball as a dark horse superstar, who would it be? His are Isaiah Rogers and Kyle Granson. Thanks for the weekly content. Yes, thank you, Patrick, for listening. Um, superstar is a big word, Ross. Yeah. Big word. That's, boy, um... <laughs> You know, the, these podcasts, they have receipts. And, and I, I don't know if I want my name tied to a lot of that. So, um, you know, if Campbell can be healthy, I, I really think he's got some serious potential. Uh, I, I, I do believe that. Offense, you know, I've always just, and I'm really curious coming into this season, you know, can Mo Alley Cox put it all together? Mm-hmm. You know, we saw the flash early last season. I mean, he was arguably top three or four player on your team in September last year. You know, some big, big games for you when T.Y. was kind of struggling and Rivers wasn't, you know, totally in sync and, and things like that. Um, you know, Granson, I just don't know if, like, I think he's so specialized, I just don't know if he can get to a star level, you know. I just yeah. don't see him playing 90% of the snaps, things like that. On defense, like, Isaiah Rodgers is an intriguing name. To me, Marvell Tell is a little bit more. I, I want to see some Tell. I, I love his length. Um, you know, fifth-round pick, a guy that, you know, was making a, a position change. But, like, Patrick, this is tough. Like, you know, 
to say a superstar is a, and you're making me choose like a non-starter, like, boy, I just, yeah. yeah. I mean, for the sake of our uh, franchise, I hope it's Wentz. I hope he's a superstar. Well, certainly, yeah. You know, I, I think we all have expectations, but like you said, superstar is a big, big word. Um, so yeah, big word. And, and, you know, I am uh, I, I just have to see Wentz in training camp. I have to see him in the preseason before I commit to any kind of firm sure. thing there. But, yeah, I mean, if, if Carson Wentz becomes a superstar – um, you will be drinking cold ones on Georgia Street watching parades Gosh. for this team winning the Super Bowl. Dream come true. All right, Michael asks, or Michael says, here's my question. What happens if the Jaguars and the Titans are over the Colts mm-hmm. in the division? By over, I'm sure he means that they are leading yeah, the Colts in better. the uh, What would be your changes, if any? Following that, what if Wentz also had an amazing year and we still knocked out of the first round and we still get knocked out of the first round of the playoffs? Okay, a couple wild scenarios here from Michael. I would say if the Jags and Titans are above the Colts, that means you finish under five hundred. Yeah, right? I just can't see Jacksonville going eleven and you know six or something like that. Uh, my first thought is that's not good. Uh, changes. I'm gonna guess that Carson Wentz wasn't good if you finish under five hundred. And like to me, Ross, more than anything. And, and, you know, obviously people only care about team record and things like that, and I totally get that. The biggest question of this season that has to find an answer mm-hmm. is, is Carson Wentz the guy or not? That question must be answered. You cannot get to 2022 and have your end-of-the-year, you know, exit meetings, and the first thing Chris says to Frank Reich is, what should we do about Wentz? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that, that needs clarity. That, that just, it needs clarity. Um, boy, I mean, if you go seven to ten, eight, nine, Reich and Ballard, uh, that that car warmer Ross is full blast. Yeah. It's you know, it's yeah. it's negative ten outside. It's uh, I'll never forget going to Minnesota for that game. It was negative eighteen driving to that stadium. It was just brutal out there. Uh, it, it's got to be full blast. Um, yeah, cheers. Not- yeah, you, you got anything to add there? No, I was just gonna say that won't be a fun off. No, no, it won't. Uh. Your second analogy or your second little scenario there, what if Wentz had an amazing year and knocked down the first round of the playoffs? Uh, I, I would just say it, it not, not a not a massive deal to me. I think it falls into the category we talked about a few minutes ago, Ross. Wentz in January. That, that I think, is still the question. And uh, you guys have heard me make this reference before. Think about the prog- progressions Peyton made and Andrew made in their playoff careers. Andrew, wild card, exit. Divisional round, exit. AFC Championship, exit. You know, it, it was a very linear yeah. sort of uh, trash, to, to, to steal a golf term, for uh, Andrew Luck. Peyton, it was a little bit more up and down. You know, it was, you got to, what, AFC Championship in 03, and then 04, I think he bowed out early. 05, it was the Steelers. You get there in 06, and you're like, well, this is like, this team isn't going to do anything. And next thing you know, you get on a run, and your defense really helps you out, and you win it all. So um, that would be my second Point, Michael, is just January, question mark for Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. All righty. Adam, uh, would it be more meaningful for the Colts to blow out Bill, Ch- Bill Belichick and the Patriots this season or Tom B- Brady and the Buccaneers? Oh, big fan of your work, Kevin, and our big fan of uh, Kevin and Chris's hard work to produce such high-quality content. Thank you, Adam. means a lot. I appreciate it, Chris and I and Ross. Um, certainly put a lot of effort into this, so I'm glad that's noticed. Wow, oh, Ross, I'm going to throw this to you. Um, you're a fan. You're a diehard. What would it be? More meaningful for the Colts to blow out Belichick or Tom Brady and the Bucks? Going to see them both this year. I, I would say Tom Brady and the Bucks from the perspective of they're the reigning Super Bowl champs. And, okay. Yeah. You know, I, I think Belichick and Brady both hold similar uh, weights. Uh, hatred. Hatred. Venom. Yeah, thank you. Um, as a fan – you know, but when we think about what the state of those two franchises, if I had to pick one or the other, I'm choosing the Bucks. Just yeah, to where they're at. I was gonna say statement to the entire NFL: it's beat the Bucks. Yeah. Um, now, better for your AFC playoff standing, maybe beating the Patriots, yeah. and, and who knows? I don't know. We all expect Buffalo, I think, to win that division, but you know that's you know a little bit more the nitty gritty of it. And you don't see New England, I think, until like mid to late December. I know it's one of the late games there. Um, is this, a, is this a true statement, Ross? Colts fans hate Bill Belichick more than they hate Tom Brady. No. Okay. 
Not in my eyes. Okay. Um, I, I, I just Belichick's more hateable. Belichick is more hateable, but Brady was. I, I think because we had during that time period, it was more Peyton versus Brady than it was, you know, uh, Dungy versus Belichick um, or any other coach that we had throughout that that tenure. So I, I think it was always like we had the best player in the league mm-hmm. in our eyes. They had the best player in the league in their eyes. Yeah. And Brady, for the most part, got the best of Peyton on a, in a from a pure per production perspective. No, that so. that is a good point. I got to tell a quick story. Ross was sitting in front and center for a couple weeks ago. We're watching the match, you know, Rogers and DeChambeau against Brady and Phil, and our, our good buddy Scott Gone decides to bet on Brady to miss the fairway. Brady hasn't hit a fairway since uh, hell since his Michigan days at that point in the tournament. Brady gets up there. Scott bets on him to miss the fairway. Brady hits up there, stripes it right down the middle, hits the fairway. Just another <laughs> another time in Scott Gone, who is every Colt fan's life, yeah. that Tom Brady says, dagger meet heart. Yeah. I mean, golf, freaking golf. Brady that says he's an eight handicap. The dude, is he's not an 18 handicap. Mm-hmm. And he's out there hitting the fairway from mountaintops in Montana and breaking the Colt fan heart. Yeah. God, will it ever end with him? I mean, if you're Scott gone, what do you expect? Right. Never bet against Brady. No. <laughs> Jeez. Gosh. Uh, too funny. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Brady there. Okay, fair. Um, all right, H.R. Singh. H.R. Singh, um, the Twitter handle there. I've been clamoring for Frank to split Heinz out wide into the slot from time to time. The reason is simple. Get your best playmakers on the field. Putting him wide gets him a chance, or, get, or putting him wide gets a chance to get him and Taylor on the field together. I realize with a healthy Campbell back, that might not happen. So he's two questions: one, do you like the idea of seeing this this being splitting uh, him out wide? And two, do you think it's something we'll see? Yeah, you know, HR. I, I yes, all caps. You know, I am such a two back personnel grouping guy. Like, you know, if you put twenty one and twenty eight in a huddle. Bobby Wagner week one starts saying, hey, 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 uh, you know, who's got 21 if he splits out wide? I mean, who hell, who's got Taylor? I mean, Taylor, yeah. I know Taylor had a couple drops in the wild card game, but Taylor was a great receiving threat throughout the regular season. So, yes, I think that is a really um, strong way of, I mean, throw 15. Like, if you're going straight, I feel like such a, a acting like a hard-ass football coach, which I'm not even close to, but like, hey, 15, 21, and 28 are in the huddle. What are we going to do? But, like, seriously, like, what are you going to do? So uh, that's where I think you get into the personnel grouping, the diversification, if you will, of what you do, and just the unpredictability. Um, Yes, I do. And I think it's something we should have seen more of last year. Love it. Um, Jaden has a training camp logistics question. So Jaden says, uh, hey, Kev, I got a training camp question. This is my first year going. Me and a few of his friends are heading out July 31st. He asks, what happens if it rains out? Do they move it inside uh, of Grand Park, or do they just cancel that day? He also asks, are there any activities for fans to do before or even during? Um, and then lastly, will are, are, there allow, are they allowing players to sign autographs and take pictures uh, with all, all things going on COVID, or are they only allowed to if they have the vaccine? Okay, um, that's a lot, Jaden, but I, I'll try to cover it. Uh, inside practice, no. Okay. Unfortunately, there are stands in there, but I believe with COVID – no. Um, as far as what to do with uh, events around the practice field, they have Colt City, which I think is like, you know, inflatables and like music and uh, just kind of like cool little like fan stuff, you know, trivia and just like, um, yeah, I, I don't really know how to describe it, but you, you would have a good time there just, you know, yeah. messing around for a half hour before. I believe it's no autographs, period. And, and I, I want to say it's an NFL rule, yeah. Jaden, more than that. And, I mean, we're already seeing it. You know, we, we're seeing it certainly with the Olympics. And Team USA, unfortunately, has been hit by this. And we're going to see in the NFL, especially with the Colts and their, um, and their COVID vaccination numbers. But, like, they're not going to take many chances. Yeah. And so that is the biggest bummer about training camp. As much as I talked about earlier, 19 open practices and all of that. And, you know, you're coming on the first Saturday. I think the first two weekends, I think, is your time to come. On the weekends, um, it is a bummer that fans, you know, for some fans, this is it. Yeah. It's a free chance to go watch the Colts. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen very often. Um, so you do miss out on the autograph a- aspect to it. So they go indoors. No fans, I believe, is, is the rule there. 
Aaron uh, has an interesting one here. He says, what is your most fascinating Nexus event in terms of sports? Give it to me again. Nexus? Nexus. Oh, boy. Yeah. Jeez. I I might need to look that up, Aaron. Yeah. And and the only reason I think I know what Nexus means is because he goes on to explain one of the events I threw out was the Herschel Walker trade from Dallas to Minnesota. It truly changed the trajectory of that Cowboys franchise for the next Super Bowl run of seasons. Okay. Okay. I, I, I got it now. Um. Well, kind of along those lines, we've talked about before on this podcast, just the crazy stuff that happened in week 17 for the Colts to get Peyton and the Colts to get Andrew Luck mm-hmm. the years prior. Yeah. You know, it's – or – and this isn't to the question, but, like, what if it's 1999 and 2013, not 98 and 2012? The Colts have Tim Couch and Eric Fisher. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah boy. God bless them. We might I, not be in Indiana. Right, exactly. I was going to say, are the Firebirds still playing? Yeah. You know? Like, will you go watch them? Um, I know a lot of people talk about the John Elway Colts one. Ross, neither Ross nor I were alive for that. Um, you How know, about Ursay just moving them to Indianapolis over in the middle of the night. Well, yes, certainly there, and thinking that you know Bobby thinking that uh, it was going to Arizona. Yeah, that is quite the wild story there. Um, I, I just don't think the NFL has like a lot of this, Ross. I feel like it's more of other leagues. You know, I always think of the Indiana Pacer one. You know, people. I, well, I don't. I hope I'm not bringing up a sour subject. You know, the Pacers had the number two overall pick the year Jordan went number three. Yeah. Pacers have number two overall. They traded to, was it Portland? I don't know. Um, a couple weeks before the draft, and Portland drafts doesn't draft MJ, and MJ goes three. I mean, like, can you imagine if the Pacers would have drafted Michael Jordan at number two overall? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and not to pour salt in the wounds, but... And that doesn't make sense. Nexus just looked it up. A connection of series of or a connection or series of connections linking to two or more things. Yeah. So, yeah. And just the trickle down effect in the domino. Honestly, Aaron, to your question, I think the draft is the biggest avenue for this. Mm -hmm. The Colts literally had the Clay Matthews card turned in, ready to turn in. Green Bay, who never trades up, comes screaming up with New England of all teams. Yeah. Takes Clay Matthews. Clay Matthews, whatever draft that was, 08, 09, something like that. So then the Colts don't draft Jerry Hughes, Bjorn Werner. Like, then you have the trickle-down effect from there of, like, what does your franchise look like? So, um, yeah, Aaron, it's a fun one to think about. Uh, Well, kind of fun, probably horrifying, honestly, with some of these scenarios. When I think about Michael Jordan, could have been a pacer. But, uh, yeah, that is – that's a great summer question. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Aaron. Yeah. Um, all right. Justin asks, for the sake of argument, we'll say that Hot Rod and Pinheiro have pretty even camp, but preseason game numbers look like this. Hot Rod goes three for five with makes from 27, 38, and 46. His two misses are from 44 and 51. Kind of sounds like his season last year. Um, <laughs> Pinheiro goes three for four with makes from 30, 42, and bangs home a 54-yarder at the end of the first half, but also misses a 45-yarder. Who are you keeping, Kevin? Boy, this is uh, is Justin a special teams coordinator? This is uh, hey, I I I love this. Um, you know, I boy, that's that's I keeping Pinero. I I I that that, that's so tough. Like a one kick difference. Honestly, I think Hot Rod's got more than a one kick lead going into it. And and, you know, part of me thinks he probably should have a bit of a lead. I've been more on the this is a competition. Mm -hmm. I know some people again. They're obsessed with hot rod building Legos and whatnot, and they're just, you know, they're like, oh, he, he, he's our kicker, blah, blah, blah. Fine. I posted this last week, Ross. Um, I think it was on Tuesday for those that missed it last week. Uh, we'll have Chris maybe throw this article in the um, YouTube uh, links for those of you that missed it. So Pinheiro, and this is off the top of my head, I want to say hot rod had like 3% better field goal, maybe 2% better field goal. Um, each of them kicked the NFL for a year. Hot Rod did it last year with the Colts, obviously. Pinheiro did it two years ago with the Bears. Then he got hurt last year, didn't, didn't kick for the Bears. So let's say Hot Rod was like 86% on field goals and Pinheiro was 84. And Hot Rod was 97 on extra points and Pinheiro was 94. What you've got to acknowledge is how many times each kicked outdoors. Mm-hmm. Lucas Oil and Soldier Field could not be more polar opposite in their kicking environments. Hot Rod kicks indoors. I want to say it was 11 of 16 games last year. And you look at his misses, a lot of them were outdoors. Yeah. Um, Pinheiro, I believe he only kicked indoors like three times. The road uh, at, at Detroit, at Minnesota, and then I think there was like one more. 
that he kicked indoors. So, you know, if you kick, if you flip that and you say, Pinheiro, you're with the Colts and Hot Rod, you're with the Bears, do you flip those percentages almost? Great, so, great thought. I just think that's why I'm, I'm acknowledging this as a competition. Uh, part, partly because I want to be entertained during all training camp practice. And, but in all seriousness, I, I think when you look at those numbers, you can't shy away from that. So, yeah. uh, Justin, I, I would probably need more of a sample size, more of a practice sample size mm-hmm. with that. Uh, but, man, that 54-yarder to end the first half, that's that, you know, yeah. you're going to have some, you're going to have, you know, Bubba Ventrone come and slap you on the ass and whatnot. So, yeah, especially if that's an outdoor game. Yeah, um, yeah great point. All righty. Um, Jason, what NFL rule would you change or implement? Mm. <laughs> Requiring each team to carry a fullback is not allowed. He says. <laughs> um, mine, it, his would be uh, removing fumbling out of the end zone being a touchback. Oh, I hate that rule. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good, that's one, a good one. Um, Ross, feel, feel free to jump in if you've got anything that comes to mind. I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I wish the catch rule could be simplified. I, I don't – like, you know, we're on uh, – family reunion this week we go out we throw it to you know cam or max outside or whatever like you know what looks like a catch and what and what, what's not a catch but like the simplification of it yeah you know it's tough college wise ross and you and i have watched a ton of college football games together targeting's got to be fixed yes. something's got to be done with targeting like it's it i, I don't know I, I i hate ejection i absolutely hate it mm-hmm. I get it. You knock some dude out, and that looks off. Like I get it, but just how about bringing college style overtime to the NFL? No, okay, all right. So we're going twenty-five yard line. Yeah, I, I think college football uh, overtime. Is Do you like the NFL overtime at all? I don't dislike it. I love. That you wish both made, teams had a crack at it. Yeah, I like that they changed the rule that you know you need to score the first possession because some of those field goal, you know, it was just like, score a touchdown. Yeah, they, yeah, 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 to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, I don't dislike it, but I think college football overtime is electric. It is electric, man. That is so true. Um, boy, I'm trying to think of what else. I I would. I get that you know we're so offensive centric, but man, I feel like DBs are at such a disadvantage in today's yeah. NFL. You know, I, and and you know, you start showing me 13 to 10 games, and I'll be like, get their hands off them! What the hell? You know. So I, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth here, but. Uh, I hate it. targeting. Just really, I, I get it. It's very easy for me to say right here, sitting in this chair. And but there's an element of you sign on the dotted line when you cross the white lines. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're just and how how can you play safety if you're not? So I don't know. Maybe you just take out the ejection. I just you know shoulders to helm. I don't know. How about this? The kickoff goes to the uprights. It's a point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, right. Sure, why not there? Yeah, if you hit the crossbar, yeah, Cody Parkey would be great at that. Yeah. Um, all right, Scotty has a crazy one. Oh, boy. Um, not crazy, just uh, kind of off the wall a little bit. Okay. So uh, he says, I have an off the wall question. I'm glad he acknowledges uh, it. If, say, four brothers quadruplets, it's a start. Okay. Are all elite talents. Uh, they are wanted by every college out of high school, but they all want to play for the same NFL team. Let's call it the Colts. They also want to serve their country, so they go on and serve four years. Once out, they register for the NFL draft because they have to. No one picks them in the draft or the supplemental draft. They walk into uh, they walk onto the Colts. Each one excels, even elite, even shows generational talents at different spots. How happy would Ballard be? Um, and then he goes on to ask, and how long with no college experience would it be before he brings them off the practice squad? And what would that mean for each of these spots, especially the QB situation? Apologies for the long question. He's just been thinking about this for a while. You know, Ross, the first thing that comes to my mind is I'm picturing the WTF gif. Yeah. I, 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 you know, like um, Alan from The Hangover yeah. plus like the science tube guy, they had a baby. That's what I'm thinking. Like what? This might be the wildest question in the history of the pod, Scotty. Thank you for sending, by the way. Scotty, I think a very loyal listener here. Um, how happy would Ballard be? He'd be thrilled, I mean, right? Generational talent. Yeah, yeah. and high character. They, they're serving our country. Like, geez, and they're cheap. Um, they would never even be on the practice squad. Right. The, 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 that's the second thing I'm saying. Like, practice squad experience, see them in the preseason, go. Like, as long as they look like they can, you know, walk and chew gum and tackle and run fast – Sure. So, 
boy, Scotty, that is um, that's out there to say the least. And I would think Chris Bauer would be a very happy individual. All righty, Alejandro. I think that's how you pronounce it, Alejandro. Alejandro says, "What about this hypothetical? What would you do, what would you have done back in 2012, knowing how history developed? Would you have kept Peyton for the remaining four years of his career and go for another Super Bowl, or would you have drafted Luck and everything developed as as it has?" And he goes on to note, "Imagine the first scenario: a lazy 2016 season after Peyton retired and before, or t- retired a year before, and probably a top 10 pick in the 2017 draft. Not saying they had drafted them, but." It was Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen's draft. Thank you, and keep it up during the offseason. Best regards from Mexico. Love it, Alejandro. I'm going to Mexico in October, first time in my life, so I'm looking looking forward to it for a wedding. Shout out to John Lupo. Um, okay, 2017 draft. I believe that was Mahomes and Allen. Uh, or excuse me, Mahomes and Watson. Watson. Jo- Josh Allen was in the uh, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield draft there. Uh, I've, I've said this many times, Alejandro, the Colts would not have won a Super Bowl had Peyton stayed here. Yeah. I, I just That was like, Denver's defense, really. Defense, they were in their prime, and that was the missing ingredient. The Colts were not in their prime, and uh, they had a whole lot of contractual issues there. I mean, you had DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller and Julius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and young corners and... Obviously, the elephant in the room, though, is like, is Andrew Luck retiring? <laughs> you know, could, could you predict that for me? Uh, that might shift my thinking a little bit there, but I, I stand by the Colts to the right thing as much as it brought to I'll, I'll never forget, I was in a uh, Kelly School business class down at IU and left class about five minutes early to go watch the press conference in a, in a hallway, and I'm just like, geez, boy, I think I cried at my grandma's funeral, and that's about it up to this point in my life, and I'm like, I am... Getting emotional. This is weird, awkward. Um, hopefully, no girls that I'm talking to are seeing this <laughs> right now. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah. It pulled at all of us, but. Yeah. I just think once you get like once you're, once you're mature enough as a fan to realize all the implications around it, mm-hmm. I think you realize now. Devil's advocate would say this, Ross. What if it was that 2013 draft? What if Eric Fisher was sitting there at one overall and it wasn't luck? Yeah. I think that is kind of a, a. Or even RG three, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know. I think that is kind of a an, an angle to this that I don't want to debate right now. Yeah, but <laughs> this, this well, would be one if you really were in a debate mood, you could go back and forth at a point yeah, for hours. Yeah, no well, right answer here. I was gonna say Ross and I'll debate that next summer. <laughs> All right, last one here from Alec. Um, he said, "End of the end of the summer pod question." podcast question for you sitting here watching the open on a Sunday morning and nothing says mid-July Colts coverage like this question (laughs) he wants your Colts player superlatives for these famous Indianapolis restaurants and why St. Elmo's Ruth's Chris Kilroy's Shapiro's Yats and Bazbo's wow okay this is great, Alec. Uh, I'm sure some of our listeners from around at Alejandro from Mexico is probably like, what? Yeah. Um, so we might need a little bit of explanation here. Let's start with St. Elmo's. Okay. Um, just tradition, um, arguably the best restaurant in Indiana, Indianapolis, whatever you want to call it. Combine people love it. Old Steakhouse, mm-hmm. Peyton's favorite place to go, all that. Um, Are you going so, current, current Colts? Yeah, well, I, I, yes. Okay. I will with this. Um, I'm going to go T.Y. Hilton. I was going to say the same. Really? Okay. Yeah. I thought maybe we might get some Nelson or Buckner or something like that, but I just think the tradition, the staple, longest tenure Colt, you know, maybe a Ring of Honor Colt one day, side of the building Colt, mm-hmm. all those things to me, T.Y. That's makes the most sense. First person that popped in my head, too. Um, Roos Chris. Um. I guess similar to St. Elmo's, more chain-like, so a little bit more known around the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, Very good food. I mean, then in St. Elmo's, I would say very comparable. Uh, I would – I'm going to go Quentin Nelson. Okay. Interesting. Were you thinking something else there? Um, You know, I I haven't landed on a player in my head yet. Um, First time looking at this specific question, but uh, why why Quentin Nelson? I just think like when you think on this list, mm-hmm. like these are the two most high end restaurants. Yeah, um, I'd rather have Kilroy's to be honest. Yeah, with you. but I would too. Uh, anyways, the, we can debate that here in a second. But uh, I, I just feel like 
you got to throw Big Q at a steakhouse. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Something thrown in there. Shout out to Joey Chestnut, by the way, uh, <laughs> living in Westfield, Indiana. Just awesome to see. Uh, but I, I just think, I don't know if Ruth Chris is the best, but to me on this list, some would say it's the best, so let's put Big Q. Okay. All right. Uh, next, uh, probably our favorite on the list, Kilroy's Old Faithful. Yeah, trying to talk about, again, <laughs> Old Faithful for a couple of 29- and 31-year-olds, certainly. But, uh, Ross, I'm going to Forrest Buckner here Okay, for Kilroy's. Hear me out on this. We're at a wedding Friday night. You know, it's getting late. You know, food, you know, just typical wedding food, you know, whatever. How can you make good food for 200 people? And all of a sudden, we look out of the corner of our eye, Kilroy's breadsticks. Oh, yeah. Literally sitting there. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's third down, you need a big play, and all of a sudden, here comes six, seven, three hundred. <laughs> and it's and it's DeForest. When you need him the most, here he is, DeForest Buckner, boom. See, I'm gonna switch those two. I'm gonna put DeForest Buckner at Roos Chris. Okay. Um I think he's a little bit uh he's got a little bit more of a not not as much of a swagger as Quentin Nelson has okay. in their respective positions. Kilroy's, you're gonna get old faithful, you're gonna get the breadsticks. But you're going to get some spicy nights in there where people are just turning up, going crazy. I know. And I think Quentin Nelson has that little bit of an edge to him where, you know, he's doing keg stands in the end zone after he scores his first. Uh, Look at Ross Lovers. This is a tremendous yeah. effort here so, late late in the podcast. I, that, that's a great point. I, I think I was dead wrong. I, I, I think we I think we need to flip those. Um, let's go big Q to Kilroy's. Let's go to Forrest Buckner to Ruth, Ruth Chris. Right. Uh, to be fair, I'd rather have a conversation with the Forrest Buckner than, than big Q. Okay. And, at a bar, you're not having a conversation anymore. What's up, man? How you been? Oh, yeah, man, man, man. I can't hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she looks hot, blah, blah, blah. And then at Ruth Chris. Want to take a shot? Yeah. And then at Ruth Chris, you're having more of a conversation. Yeah. Um, okay, moving to Shapiro's. Shapiro's. I've never been to Shapiro's. Okay, just uh, right by Lucas Oil, um, kind of like an indie downtown staple. You work downtown Indianapolis. You work kind of like south side of Indianapolis. Okay. You're going there. To me, it screams indie, and I'm going with one Jack Doyle. Okay. I love it. I have no argument there. Okay. Um, next one's Yats. So I have never been to Yats, even though it's a stone's throw from my house. Yeah. Have you been? Oh, yeah. I'm a big Yats uh, fan. Describe Yats for our audience. Yats, um, ooh, it's uh, – it, it, every meal is uh, rice-based with um, Cajun um, food on top of it. Um, I, I, that's, that was a terrible description, but – No, I, um, I, I, that sounds like it it's, uh, from people that have described it. It's yeah. spicy. Yeah. It's spicy. You have to be craving it to go to it because it's very their, – their menu is very clear-cut. Not right. a lot of um, Not a lot of diversity on the menu. And um, so who, who fits that description? Spicy, need well, to crave it. Now that you've described it more, I feel like I should have put Darius Leonard. Gonna kick your ass in your stomach a little bit later. For yeah, I, I think I should put. I have Kamoko Turin Okay. On here, just you know, uh, spicy. You know, sometimes spicy can be really good, and it can be really bad. Yeah. You know, so you don't really know what you're gonna get per se, but to me, it sounds like a little maniac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Does think it? that's perfect. Perfect. Okay. Uh, the correlation. All right. Rounding out the list, list with uh, Basbo's favorite pizza restaurant. Yeah, you know what? I've got other favorite pizza places, okay. Alec. Uh, but that's just me. Um, are you a Basbo's fan? Or I like it. Yeah, um, I don't. Uh, I don't seek it out, but when I get the opportunity to go there, it's never a disappointment. Yeah, uh, that's probably a fair way to describe it. Um, I'm gonna go with Jonathan Taylor. Okay, just solid. I mean, just good. I mean, yeah. solid. You, you, you. I was thinking Kenny Moore, but similar reason. Very good. I, I think that's good as well. Um, you know, you aren't going to walk out of there disappointed. I don't think you walk out disappointed with Jonathan Taylor moving forward. I think Kenny Moore is probably a really good choice there. Um, I, we, we probably uh, were an offensive lineman short here, you know, with all the food. We probably could have thrown Ryan Kelly yeah. on, on here. So apologies to the offensive line. Jack Doyle is a pseudo-offensive lineman, yeah. you know, to, to some people. So, uh, boy, Alec, that was great. Yeah, good one to end on. Yeah, Alec, it got a little boring on Sunday. Ross and I were driving up here, so we didn't watch a whole lot of it. Listening to it on the BBC radio, unbelievable telecast but uh appreciate uh you uh sending that in all righty you want to talk about the rest of the week yeah so um up on our website right now um i'm sure some of you saw it looked like we had pretty good numbers just judging by what i saw yesterday but i uh, posted a 53-man roster breakdown wow uh leading into camp so um that's what we have up on the site right now and then uh concluding our burning question series as well and then next week we're going to get into a few more of just kind of annual stuff and I believe Chris Bauer talks on Tuesday, and then practice officially begins Wednesday. 
Uh, we will have daily notebook recaps, not only on our website, but YouTube as well. And then like uh, Ross and I were saying earlier in the podcast, once every about five days, we will hit you with that. Uh, anything else, Ross? Um, I got to give my lock. Oh, yeah. What do you got? For those at home keeping score, I'm 4-0 on this podcast. Wow. My locks. I didn't realize 4-0. That's big. 4-0. Um, my yeah. lock for you listeners out there are Phoenix Suns plus 4.5. Ooh. Game 6 is tonight. So Thanks. for those that are listening here in the next about seven hours that it's available, uh, on the road. On the road. Okay. The, what do they call it? The Deer deer District? That, that sounds right. The yeah. District. Are we going money line or are you just like the four and a half? I like the four and a half. I think the Suns, um, I, their shooting percentage was off the charts last. I heard a stat on another podcast. They went, they went um, above 90% from the free throw line, above 65% from the three-point line, and above 55% from the field. The first team to lose a game with that since like the 1980s. Whew. Yeah. Man. So let's roll with the Suns. I think they're hot. I don't know if they're going to win, but I think they're going to keep it close. And that's why I like the four and a half. You heard it there. Ross Lover's wearing the Suns gorilla suit. He is cheering for Monty Williams and company to get it done and force the game seven. Selfishly, I want the Bucks to win the series, but no. I'm okay with the Bucks winning. But... Hey, there's no better words in sports than game seven. Yep. So. Give that to me. Ross, I appreciate it, man. As always, terrific. Uh, we are playing golf tomorrow. Do you care to give a prediction on your golf Ooh, score? last time I was flopped on my prediction. Uh, I'll go 85. Okay, 85 for Arcadia Bluff South, a very difficult golf course. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. We're thinking late Tuesday after we talk to Chris Bauer for the podcast. Uh, he's Ross Lovers. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.